Good morning. Here we are at Fountain of Life Bible Church at Palm Sunday. I decorated my own leaves here on the lectern, and I was looking at them real close, and I thought if somebody were to walk in, they would accuse me of being a palm reader. A little funny this morning. <laughs> Indeed, this is Palm Sunday. It's a very blessed time, and uh, I know this is a strange thing we've been doing, but praise God, we have the ability in these days to still uh, get together, even though it's live streaming. Uh, I was telling my son a while ago, I think some people misunderstand who the church is. It's not brick and mortar and wood. The church is the body of Christ. If we can't be here at this arch architectural structure, that doesn't mean we're not a church. If God's called you to be a member of Fountain Life Bible Church or to fellowship with Fountain Life Bible Church, we're doing that. Uh, I know a lot of times in the past I'll meet people who had not seen a church in a long time, and they'll say, uh, well, Pastor, I know I'm not there physically, but I'm there in spirit. And my reference usually to that is, well, but that's all well and good, but did you ever try to collect a tithe from the spirit? <laughs> By the way, there are people, it just amazes me, sometimes I believe it's a real indicator of faith, uh, who are still sending in their tithes, whether they're sliding it through the front door, putting it in the mailbox, or mailing it, or doing PayPal. And that's just, uh, just amazing because the expenditures and the outings and the missionaries and all these uh, ministries and outreaches still, uh, like my dad used to say all the time, it costs money to ride on a freight train. Call to worship this morning is taken from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass, upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Uh, this, is, as you can tell, was in Zechariah, and it was written in 487 B.C. And get that, B.C. before Christ. And Jesus Christ fulfilled it succinctly and perfectly. Uh, and so we just praise God. Our prayer requests this morning uh, if you if you want to uh, text them Facebook them uh, email whatever and we'll try to get to I know on here we have Ginger Hood we have Murph we have Doug Grissom and Angie I saw this morning where Angie was walking her dog and fell and broke a bone in her wrist and hit her eye and uh, I don't know what all I hope, I hope uh, she and Doug don't get the treatment that I got when Linda fell against the coffee machine up here and got a black eye. Everywhere we went, people would look at me like, I can't believe he did that to her. Very embarrassing. Pray for Linda Demas. Pray for our dear sister, Kim Pennitz, if you would. Also pray for Paige McNeese. And I'm sure there's many others out there that I, it's just not coming to mind, but... Uh, uh, also, uh, Nancy Tyree, I know she's been having some temperature issues and such, and uh, Greg Mullins, and uh, well, like I said, I'm sure there's, there's others out there, but let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your holy presence. Thank you for this day. Thank you for all that it represents. Thank you for the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. 
thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes into the Father but by you. And Father, we lift up to you each one of these prayer concerns this morning, and pray for your touch at the very heart, the very nucleus, the very center of each concern. And Father God, these days are oftentimes filled with anxiety and trying. It is a working of our faith. Faith isn't faith until it's applied. And this is days to, it's not faith, it's not just lip service. But we see if we really have it. Like Paul said, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. God, is this morning as we worship together, whether it be by Facebook or live streaming video or, or however, let us realize that we are still together and that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father and that God is control and the tiniest bird doesn't fall from the sky, but what God knows all about it, He knows exactly our situation. Lead us, guide us, and direct us in all things for Your glory. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. All of God's children said, Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Announcement-wise, Matt and I have been battling a dilemma. And here's what I'm going to do. Uh, we have the access of live streaming video for next Sunday, our Easter presentation, which we will do our Easter sunrise live streaming video. But for our Easter service, we're playing around with the idea of setting up on the front porch and have people sit in their cars out in the parking lot. And of course, we can kick the uh, volume up to where everybody can hear, make everybody stay in their cars. Uh, weather permitting. But here's what we want you to do. If you would like to do that, if you think that's what we ought to do, is I'll be up on the porch and uh, music and teaching and all that, I'll do that. And if you think that you'd like to come and sit in the car and do that next Sunday morning for the 1045 service, either email or uh, uh, text Matt and let him know. And uh, we get enough interest, we may do just that. But who knows what the weather is. But in any event... Uh, Easter sunrise will be the uh, same way as we're doing this morning, live video, and uh, we still have the option of doing that for the 1045 Easter service. God's Word tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 that uh, we are to glorify God with songs and hymns and spiritual songs, and I don't try to uh, claim to be a great music musician by no stretch of the imagination. But uh, if it's a matter of making a joyful noise unto the Lord, I can make a joyful noise. So in any event, we're going to uh, know my guitar didn't shrink. This is a mandolin. And uh, when I come up here in the church in the mornings, and I try to do it every morning possible. Don't always do it every morning, but that's my goal. All, for years, I've always had this feeling that comes back to this hymn, this old hymn, that I like to share with you. When I get up here by myself, I feel like it's just me and Jesus. And it's such a sweet, sweet feeling when I come into His presence. Uh, anyway, you'll recognize this, this old hymn. I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses And the voice I hear falling on 
grace my fears relieve How precious did that grace appear The hour I first believed Through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far And grace will lead me home When we've been there ten thousand years Bright shining as the sun We've no less days to sing God's praise Than when we first begun Amazing grace, how sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found But now I can see um, I, I, The angels are applauding Because I have finished the song <laughs> There's another song that I have been doing for years In fact, uh, my wee little lad uh, for years thought that I had wrote it, but I had I did not write this song. Uh, a man by the name of Scott Wesley Brown, a tremendous musician. Uh, in fact, you can look him up on YouTube, and he, his rendition of Pooh Corner uh, is, is fantastic. But I always loved uh, this song. I could wish you joy and peace Last a whole life long I could wish you sunshine And a cheerful little song Yes, and I could wish you Paradise At each day be spring But I wish you Jesus But I wish you Jesus But I wish you Jesus More than anything I could wish you leaves of gold That your paths be smooth I could wish you treasures And that all your dreams come true Yes, and I could wish you Paradise That each day be spring But I wish you Jesus But I wish you Jesus But I wish you Jesus. 
the devil had me hostage because we know that he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And I think when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem, I think the enemy, the devil, was very nervous. He didn't know exactly how it was going to turn out, but the Lord did. And it's as though I were held captive and I was bound by chains on a hill called Golgotha. And as Jesus entered that holy city, he looked past everything that was there and he had fixed his eyes to me. And he knew the enemy had me hostage. But he loved me so much that he went through horrible torment and agony just to get me and to set me free. And as Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, not just me, but to all those who love his appearing. Here in Luke chapter 19, now we have this story, this account in Matthew chapter 21. We have a brief account of it in John and in Mark 12. But I prefer, I don't know if that's the best word to say, prefer. I really appreciate uh, Luke. Uh, recording of this event because of some of the things that he has that the other synoptics don't necessarily have in it. And it's not a different story, it's just that he he records one aspect that the other did not record of it. Here in Luke chapter 19, verse 28. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. Now remember the day before, Jesus had healed two men who were blind. He went to Bethany to the home of Lazarus. He got there on Friday night. Saturday he was there. And then to make sure all this was in accordance with God's timetable, he left Sunday morning, which is as we celebrate today, the first day of the week. You know why? Because Jesus had told us he made the Sabbath for man and not man for the Sabbath. And he said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And so not only did he change his entry uh, to the Sabbath, Sunday. His resurrection was also on the Sabbath, letting us know that the Old Testament of worshiping on Saturday was trying to keep with the law. And the law killed us. The law was death. And we're saved by grace. And therefore, the Lord of the Sabbath rode in on Sunday, and He re resurrected a week later on Sunday. This is called the beginning of the Passion Week. And as he ascended in, he knew, you got to remember, Jesus knew to the umpteenth detail what was going to happen to him. But he didn't shy away from it. Most people that uh, had a bounty out on him, and this is basically what happened to Jesus, they had a warrant out for him. Pharisees and the Sadducees, they hated him. They hated all these things. They were jealous of him because the people were recognizing who he was. And instead of slipping in at nighttime, Jesus wanted them to know who he was, that he was coming. And sort of like the whole, a child being held hostage, you can run, you can hide, but I will find you. And Jesus Christ wanted the enemy to know, get ready, he was coming. And so he ascended on up to the holy city, to Jerusalem. Verse 29, And it came to pass, when he was come nigh to Bethphage, and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, 
Go into the village over against you, into which you entering you shall find a colt tied, whereupon yet never man set loose him, and bring him hither. Uh, some have speculated that uh, the two disciples that he sent were Peter and John. The truth of the matter is we don't know who the two disciples were. It doesn't matter. This tells us of, of Christ's indicators of being God incarnate. He didn't have to slip around and make a deal with somebody in a nearby town, Bethphage, that uh, had this donkey and his colt to say, okay, when I give you a secret password, give them. Jesus didn't have to do that. He is Lord of all. He is Lord of man's hearts and minds. There's many times, for example, when they had Jesus cornered in Capernaum. Jesus had spoken to the temple and the people wanted to try to attack Jesus. And if you will follow that account, all the crowd surrounded Jesus and they were hurling insults and they backed him up to the precipice of a cliff. Then all of a sudden, the next verse says, and then Jesus passed through them. Now, I don't know if Jesus has had a, a, a time standstill and they froze in place or they were just confused as to why they were even there. But God even knows our sitting down or uprising. He even knows our thoughts are far off. He puts within our minds the very nucleus of thoughts that will lead us to do the things that He wants us to do. He is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's all-power. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. When He became God incarnate, He lowered Himself a little bit lower than the angels. He emptied Himself, the kenosis, if you will. But He didn't take away His deity. And Jesus knew exactly where this animal was. He knew who the owner was. He didn't want to, to anybody to accuse him of taking something that wasn't his. Let's go back here. In a verse 31 it says, And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. Now we see something very important here about the donkey and his coat. It was of utmost importance that the aspect that he was to ride the colt came out. Because you see, every sacrifice for sin that was offered to God in the Old Testament, for example, the ashes of the red heifer, the red heifer could have never had a yoke on his neck. We had to see that any animal that was offered could not have ever been used for any kind of work whatsoever. It could not have been handled by man. And so it's very important that Jesus rode in on a colt. He was given a dramatization of the very words he'd been saying. Say. He said, I must go to Jerusalem and there I'll suffer many things and I will be spit upon and I will be crucified. And that's when Simon Peter said, oh no, Lord, not me. And that's when Jesus looked at Simon Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. You see, Simon Peter wasn't Satan, but he, the devil put the words in his mouth there, tried to cause Jesus to have fear and anxiety to back away. But Jesus was on a mission. He came into this world for this purpose, the beginning of this Passion Week. And as a result, the dramatization, many times throughout the Bible, the prophets not only spoke the words, but they would dramatically act out the intent of the message. And so Jesus says, since he's two disciples, he said, go over to Bethphage. And if anybody asks you what you're doing, tell them that the Lord hath need of them. And sure enough, these two disciples went over there. The owner of the donkey and the colt 
came out and said, what are you doing? And they, the disciples, did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They said, the Lord hath need of them. And what did the man do? Oh, okay. I've often wondered about that. After they went down the road with the man's donkey and colt, he came come to himself and said, why did I do that? He could add, I don't know. But here's something that's very important about that passage of Scripture. There have been those that said that Jesus never claimed that he was Lord, and all the other people hurled that accolade upon him. But no, we see right here that Jesus told them, you tell them, the Lord, making reference that he is God, out of his own mouth, you tell them, the Lord hath need of them. And sure enough, when they went, they told him that this, this man perhaps a lover and a believer in the stories and accounts he had heard of Jesus was all in favor of that. Verse 32 And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them and as they were loosing the colt the owners thereof said unto them why loose ye the colt and they said the Lord hath need of him. Verse 35 And they brought him to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the colt and they sat Jesus thereon. This situation of casting, putting the clothes on the donkey, the colt, on the roadway, is not without precedence. We see that when Solomon was to be uh, acknowledged as king, that this same type of situation was done. We see here that he is not only riding in as a sacrifice on a colt that had never been ridden, demonstrating he was going to be the sacrifice for our sin. But also, he's making reference that he's coming in as a king and as a leader. During the Intertestament time, the 500 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, there were the Greeks who took over Jerusalem. And the leader of the Greeks was a man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. And he wanted to do away with the Jewish religion, and uh, he had the priests killed. He went into the temple and desecrated the temple, even turned it to a brothel. He would even make the leaders of the clans of the families come into the temple and take a knife and kill a pig on the altar. The man by the name of Simon Maccabees, he was next in line to kill a pig on the altar in the temple. And when he got up there to where the altar was, he took the knife that the Greek soldier put in his hand and he used it. But he used it on the two Greek soldiers on either side of the temple. And he and his sons, this is one of the first references of guerrilla warfare. They they tormented the Greeks so bad that they pulled out of Jerusalem. And when he came riding back into Jerusalem as a conquering hero, they cut palm branches. They laid their clothes in the way in Jerusalem to acknowledge that, that they acknowledge him as their leader. You see, when they put their clothes on this donkey and its colt, they were acknowledging, we are submitting ourselves unto you. And you better remember, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Everyone who comes to Jesus must humble himself as a little child. Anybody who comes in in a braggadocious manner and say, Lord, you're getting a good deal when you get me, don't expect to have your name written on the Lamb's Book of Life. Because when we see ourselves in the light of the perfect Jesus Christ, we must hang our head in shame. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous no, not one. Here in Luke chapter 19, verse 36. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. Now, 
you got to remember there was two groups of people here actually three there was a group who was following Jesus because they had heard that the one who had raised Lazarus from the dead they were following him towards Jerusalem and they were what they did they heard all these things that Jesus had done they were amazed at his teaching and so they were following Jesus up to Jerusalem and as they were entering Jerusalem he had this group of people who had been following him then you had those who were the residents of Jerusalem who were there to meet Jesus as he's coming. So you had these two groups meeting together. And not only that, but a third group, if you want to call them a group, is those who despised Jesus, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were jealous of him. They despised him. And so you had these three representative groups who were coming together, those who were following Jesus, those who turned out to meet him, and they cast their garments down, and they spread, uh, here in verse 37, and when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. You see, they saw, they were there when he fed the 5,000 with some loaves and fishes. They saw him give sight to the blind. They saw him raise the dead to the widow of Nain, raised her son, Lazarus being raised from the dead. They knew of him walking on the water. They knew of him calming the seas. They knew of all these miracles. Now you have to remember something. This was the beginning of the Passover in Jerusalem. And people within 15 miles had to all come into Jerusalem. Every, particularly every head of every family. But there were not only those within the 15 mile radius of Jerusalem had, that was mandatory to go up. But you had people from all the known world who would make this pilgrimage to come there. It was estimated five years after this event that there were 250,000 lambs sacrificed in the temple. 250,000 lambs during the time of the Passover. And you have to remember that each lamb had to represent a minimum of 10 people. So that means there were over 2,500,000 people crammed into Jerusalem. Here is the scene. The, the word was gone out of Jesus, the teachings that he had done, the things he had done. And here was the size of this uh, multitudes. And they were shouting... We don't see this here in Luke, but we see it in Matthew. Hosanna, save now. We see these are references from Psalm 118. Hosanna, save now. You see the fulfillment of Jesus in Zechariah 9 9, where he's riding on the fold of a coat, of a donkey, the coat. You see all these fulfillments. And these fulfillments of Jesus coming into town and them crying, Hosanna. And Hosanna was not a halal, as the Psalms halal, like we get the word hallelujah from, a praise. It meant save us. You see, they remembered the, the, the Greek bondage, the Antiochus Epiphanes. Now they were under Roman bondage. The Jews had, for a long time after the Babylonian captivity, had given up trying to be a military nation and wanted to become an intellectual or religious people because they had been taken over by so many people. And so they saw Jesus Christ as Simon Maccabees and thought he was coming into town to overthrow the yoke of bondage that the Romans had put on the Jews. And so they were saying, Hosanna, save us, deliver us now. They thought he was going to be that kind of military leader. In fact, before this event, when Mary, the night before this, Mary came in and, and brought an alabaster, broken alabaster box of perfumed ointment and washed Jesus' feet. Here was Mary who knew who Jesus was and was yielding all she was. And at the same time, you had Judas Iscariot that he too thought he was coming in to take over and have set up a political and military reign and who thought he would have a seat in this new government. But now, though, he was realizing that, wait a minute, 
this man is a marked man. He has a bounty out on him. Well, he wanted to collect on that bounty. And so we see Jesus Christ, who is telling everybody and letting them know, I'm not coming in secret. Nothing that I've done has been in secret. I'm coming into Jerusalem, and I'm coming to set my children free. He came to save now, but not in the way that the people thought. He came to save us from our sins. It's more than just a geographical location of a nation the size of a postage stamp. He came to save all men of all time who would dare to call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. Jesus had a bigger plan, a bigger battle to fight. He came to save us all from our sins that He would go on to prepare a place for us that where He is, we may be also. For sin and death, you know, we see now this situation with the virus. And many people are saying, if there's a God, why did God allow this to happen? We have to remember, God's Word says, wherefore as sin came into this world by one man, and sin is passed upon all men because all have sinned. Sin is an indicator of the sickness of sin in this world. The reason why it's so bad in America is because America has turned its back on God. They have made light of the things of Christianity. They have attacked Christianity. They wanted to kill babies. They wanted to have homosexual marriages. They wanted to do all the things that happened in Sodom and Gomorrah that God destroyed with fire and brimstone. They wanted God out of the schools. They wanted God out of the lifestyle. They wanted God off of our, our entertainment. When you ask God to leave, He's a gentleman. So don't ask why God allowed this to happen. Ask who took the territory. We sang that, that old hymn, This is my Father's world. It's His by creation, but it's the devil's by squatter's rights. And so don't ask why God did this. No, so many people wanted the devil to come in, the things of the devil. And wherefore, as by one man sin entered to the world, and death by sin, death is passed upon all men because all have sinned. So we know in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, and I quoted this last Sunday, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Until this nation realizes, until it turns to God, don't expect a speedy recovery. Verse 38 saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. You see, they knew what they were saying. And the Pharisees and Sadducees had a good working relationship with the Roman government, and they were held in high esteem. And not only that, they had a lucrative income. And more than that, they envied the prestige and the accolades that were being laid upon Jesus Christ. And they went to Jesus and they said, you need to stop these people from saying, Hosanna, save now, because they recognize you as the prophet that Moses spoke of in Deuteronomy. The prophet. And they knew what they were shouting. They knew how the people were receiving it. But you know what the sad thing is? The multitudes that were there that day were crying, Hosanna, save now, and praising Him, even calling Him the Son of David, the, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. These same people, when they realized a week later that Jesus wasn't who they wanted Him to be, these were the same people who were crying out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! And you know what's sad? Jesus knew, as we know in John 6, Jesus said, 
God's word says Jesus knew what's in the hearts of man. He heard what they were saying with their lips, but he knew their heart was far from them. Here's what Jesus said in re- regards to what the Pharisees wanted to do. And he answered and said to them, If I tell, I tell you that, if these should hold their peace, in other words, the people who were praising him, the stones would immediately cry out. The earth would cry out because even the earth realized that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus, as John the first chapter tells us, he tabernacled among us and yet his own received him not. He made the world. It's his. And yet the world doesn't want him. You see, in Romans chapter 8, we see that the whole earth groans waiting for the day of redemption. And that's what Jesus was making reference to. He said, if these people did not cry out and recognize that I am God incarnate, he said, creation itself would cry out and proclaim that the King is coming. That the King is coming. I want you to look here in verse 41 and 4, and I'm going to read this a little longer. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this by day, the things that belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee, encompass thee round, and keep thee on, in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground of thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. We see this same situation in Matthew. Where Jesus looked over at Jerusalem, he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stoneth the prophets, how I would have gathered you under my wing as a hen her chicks, and yet you would not have me. You see, Jesus wants us to come to him. And when Jesus hears the cry of his children this day and time with the virus and all these other diseases, I'm convinced, as we talked about last Sunday in Psalm 91, that if we do everything we're supposed to do, you see, God's given us great matter. He's given us intellect. There's laws incorporated in God's creation that apply to everybody, sinner or saved. For example, if I were to step off the edge of the roof of this and say, oh, I believe God's going to hold on to me, I'm going to fall to the ground. That's called presumption. So many people right now are saying, oh, this is just a fluke. They're taking our rights away. No, this virus is a very real thing, and it's highly contagious, dangerous. And as I said before, because we're having service like this, this doesn't mean the church isn't meeting. We're still meeting. We're just not inside the brick and mortar. And as a result, I truly believe that if you do what you're supposed to do, you know you know the regimen of washing your hands, don't touch your face, stay six feet away from others. You do what you're supposed to do, and you call upon the name of the Lord. You quote Psalm 91, that He has delivered us from the noisome pestilence. You're going to be all right. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in spirit. And you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Where's your faith? You come here on Sunday morning, and you can give lip service that you have faith. But right now in time of trouble is the determining factor if you have faith or not. This is when your faith is applied. Don't ask for more faith if you haven't used what you got. You see, 
Jesus rode into Jerusalem at this beginning of the Passion Week. And he's coming back again. And God's Word says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Well, you do what you want to do. I've shared the gospel now for 45 years. But there's one thing I can tell you that Joshua said. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God bless you. Happy Palm Sunday. And you let Matt know if you think we can get together. I'll speak from the porch. We'll do music. And you gather out in the parking lot. Just text him, email, whatever. And, and we'll, Lord will, and we'll, we'll make it happen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your presence. We love you because you first loved us. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the revelation of the knowledge of you. Thank you for joy that's unspeakable, full of glory. Thank you for the peace of God that passes all understanding. And Father, I pray if anyone who is listening to this, that they don't know you as the Lord and Savior of their life, that they'll pray this prayer I'm about to pray. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I receive you as my Lord and my God and my personal Savior. Holy Spirit, please fill me to overflowing. Thank you for saving me. God is now, Father, we pray that you would heal our land of this horrible disease. We pray that you would be with our president. Give him wisdom, knowledge, understanding, discernment by God, the Holy Spirit for your perfect will, and the grace to carry it out. Keep him strong and kept, keep him from the naysayers. And Father, guide us to have wisdom, knowledge, understanding, discernment for your perfect will. And I pray, Father God, that every one of us, we Americans, realize that nobody's going to take our freedom for it. We won't stand for it. Besides that, whom Christ has made free is free indeed. These things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.